Hey everyone, this is Leela Sinha. Welcome to Power Pivot, the podcast version two. This is where we talk about business, leadership, ethics, community, and the way it all fits together. I'm glad you're here. So way back in 2017, a guy named Marty Schneider, who goes by Schneid Remarks on Twitter, S-C-H-N-E-I-D Remarks on Twitter, wrote a thread about how he discovered when he accidentally took on a female colleague's identity for a little while that the reason that she was less efficient was because sexism. Because people treated him so much differently, so much worse, so much more skeptically, so much more resistantly when they thought he was a woman. And that got me thinking. But then, you know, it was 2017. I shelved it. I was busy. That same thread surfaced again on social media, as such things I want to do, this week. And I read it through and I remembered, realized, that he was talking about a kind of efficiency that comes from a lack of friction. From a lack of anticipating friction, from a lack of encountering friction, from a lack of engaging friction. And that got me thinking about the way I cleaned my house a couple days ago. So a couple days ago, I was getting ready for bed, and I looked at my sink full of dishes and I thought, uh, I could wash those. So I did. I've talked before about how I have discovered that many tasks take less time than I think they will, and dishes are definitely one of them. I have few enough dishes and a small enough sink and drying rack that I can generally do all of my dishes in between five and 10 minutes. 10 minutes if it's a lot of dishes or if there's something that needs scrubbing. And that that's an amount of time that I often spend standing in the kitchen anyway because I'm often waiting for a pan to heat up or the oven to preheat or for something else, to the microwave to run. And so it's actually really easy for me to do the dishes if I remember that they only take five minutes. When I think that the dishes take longer than five minutes or ten minutes, when I build them up into this thing that takes half an hour or 45 minutes or all the energy I have then I don't do the dishes. But they only take five minutes. But after doing the dishes, I looked around the kitchen, and maybe it helped that I was watching a YouTube about somebody who was trying some new house maintenance routine thing. I am not a house maintenance routine person. That is not how my house maintenance has ever worked I don't have routines. I don't have schedules. I don't do daily tasks. I, I, I rebel at the very idea of a daily task. But anyway, I was watching this video, just curious. I'm always curious about what systems work for people and how they work, because even if they don't work for me, they might work for someone I know or for a client, or they might percolate through and become a part of the way that I do something else. So I... 
was listening and I noticed that a lot of my counter countertop space, my cutting board space was covered with offcuts from things like onions and garlic and um, stem ends and things like that, that, that really just belonged in the compost. And I had noticed a couple of days earlier that all of that stuff tended to fall off the counter if I wasn't paying attention. And so I just put a paper bag there to catch it as my compost bin. And now I can just sweep it off the front of the counter into the bag at my feet. And when the bag is full, I can take the entire brown paper bag out to the compost. It's a system that works pretty well. It uses brown paper bags that I already have in the house that are already going to need to be used for something. And so I just looked over at my cutting board and I swept all those cuttings into that brown paper bag that was already by the cutting board. And then I looked around and noticed a few more things and picked up a few more things. And then I walked into the dining room and noticed that by comparison, the dining room now felt pretty cluttered. And most of why the dining room feels cluttered is because of what I pile on the dining table. And so I played a game with myself that I sometimes play called One Thing I Know. Because so often my response to a cluttered dining table is, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this stuff. I don't know where any of it goes. And then I just kind of get overwhelmed and shut down. But instead, I play this game called One Thing I Know, where I look at the table and I say, what's one thing I know about one thing on this table? So one thing I know is that this bowl from my lunch belongs in the sink. One thing I know is that these five things are paper waste and can go in the paper recycling. One thing I know is that this piece of plastic is trash and it goes in the trash bag, which is right there. And so I sort of worked my way through the dining room. And then I got to one thing I know is this pile of clothes on the back of this chair can be put away. I was like, okay, well put away at least one thing. So then I put away one thing and then I put away a few more things because I was already putting things away. The closet was open, the hangers were there. I puttered around for an hour, tidying, sorting, cleaning. This is not me. I, I, this is not the way that I have built my life, but I, I did it. And I kept checking in with myself to see if I needed to go to bed, to see if I needed to rest, to see if this was okay partially because it was unusual and partially because it's easy for me to shift from doing something because I moved to do it to doing something because I feel like I should do it. But no, it was it was still okay, so I kept puttering. And after about an hour, hour and a quarter, I was done. I could feel like I was done. It was bedtime. I have my lights set to automatically turn themselves off to let me know that it's bedtime. And unless I'm really absorbed in something, that's usually a cue I'll notice. But as I was getting into bed, I was observing how gentle that cleaning process had felt, how unforced, how unfraught it had felt. And I realized that the reason that that was is because I had taken a fairly light work week. I had worked 
I've been telling people almost not at all, but I think it was probably like 10 to 15 hours instead of 40 hours or more. And I had done work that was nourishing. And then I had filled the rest of my time also with nourishing things. I had taken the time to cook some food that I actually liked. I had taken the time to go for some walks and take some pictures of some pretty things that I saw outside, which is one of the ways that I've practiced centering on beauty since seminary. When I was grumpy about going to seminary in Chicago, I had sworn I was never moving to Chicago and I was never going to seminary. (laughs) Be careful what you say you're never doing. And so I made myself take my camera and take pictures of things that looked unlike things that I thought I would encounter in Chicago, unlike my previous experiences of Chicago. I took pictures of paths between buildings that looked like English country garden paths. And I took pictures of, you know, tall grasses on a roundabout that made it look like I was in the middle of the prairie. And I took pictures of intricate architectural work and trees in bloom. And I I like cities, but I need a certain amount of green around me. And so I took a lot of pictures of things that were growing. It was a good practice. I go back to it periodically. It's easier now. When I did that practice, I was still using film. Now I can use digital. Now I can take as many pictures as I want. Now I can correct something that I cropped incorrectly in frame. And by incorrectly, I mean not the way I meant to. But when I filled my week with all of these nourishing things, and not with too many of them. When I left space for a certain amount of staring at the wall, or lying under a tree and staring at the needles high above me, when I left that space and then didn't work very much, I was not exhausted. And when I was not exhausted, puttering and cleaning came naturally. And I do mean naturally. It, it just emerged out of the question, do I want to? The answer was yes, I do. I want that. Which the next day led to me cooking more, which the next day led to me being pleasantly surprised by the state of my kitchen I wish I could manage to do a little more of that, all of that. Part of my challenge has been my entire life that I have more stuff than places to put it. And the answer is not getting rid of the stuff in this particular case. I'm using it. And so this led me down two paths. One was thinking about executive dysfunction which I do believe is a real thing. I'm not disputing that at all. But imagine... Imagine if some significant portion of what we're calling executive dysfunction is actually straight-up fatigue, 
What if it's just being tired and extra tired from having to mask in public and extra tired from having to pretend to be things for other people all the time or being on display all the time? What if, what if we didn't have to do any of that? What if we didn't do any of that? What if we spent a relatively small fraction of our time in the public eye? What if we spent a relatively small fraction of our time being observed and evaluated by ourselves or others for work? What if we spent the rest of our time in rest, in nourishment, in relaxation? I know there are reasons why this is hard. But if we did, if we were not so tired, if we were not so rushed, if we were not so wedged into the corners of capitalism that focus on productivity, what else might emerge? What else might we be urged to do? Because I felt so peaceful when I climbed into bed. I felt so grounded and so peaceful. I was Tired, but not exhausted. I wasn't bone weary. I was just tired. I knew I needed to go to sleep. It was bedtime. And all of that came because I had had enough control over my life and my schedule and my space, over the amount of stimulation I had and what kind of stimulation I had over everything. I had had enough control over the elements of my life that I could let everything emerge at its own time, at its own pace, at my own pace. I recognize that there's incredible privilege in being able to do that even for an hour, much less an entire week. And it hadn't been perfect at all. There were many times during that week when I was doing things that I didn't want to or in ways that I didn't want to or things that weren't working right or whatever. But I could feel as I went to bed that night after having spontaneously cleaned for an hour, I could feel like the beginnings of the grass growing up through the dirt in the spring. Just the, the little fuzzy, soft green tendrils of a different way of being. What does this have to do with business? Well, it has everything to do with business, right? Because what if, what if our business models assumed that as a baseline human experience? What if our business models assumed that everybody needed restorative time, that all of that restorative time makes people more productive because it does, but also what if we just did it because it's the right thing to do? What if extracting productivity is not the right way to run a business? What if it's not even ethical to be highly extractive? What are the other ways we could think of businesses? What are the other ways we could think of running our businesses and our lives so that they're so integrated that we don't need sharp lines, so that they nourish each other, so that we are 
so well nourished that we don't resent taking a moment here or a moment there that we had planned for this to do that? What if it's not agitating? What if it's not stressful to change things? Because the schedule is not that full. There's room. There's spaciousness. There's possibility. More and more people are saying it, that time is the actual peak commodity. It's the one thing we can't make more of, no matter what we do. And so how we spend our time becomes the most valuable thing. Time off is often more valuable to people than more cash. Not always. It depends on their cash levels. But if we think about running our businesses as places where we assume that people need, say, three quarters of their week to be self-nourishing, three quarters of their week to be self-nourishing, and I mean their waking hours, and then they also need time to sleep, and then they can come to work. We're looking at what, a 20, maybe 25-hour work week? The unions should never have stopped at 40 hours. If they had maintained their power, they probably wouldn't have. 40 hours was a bare minimum. A bare minimum of time for the workers in their lives. 888. But we should be doing better than that. We can do better than that. We can do better than that for ourselves. That's why everybody is moving toward wealth. People are leaning toward wealth, not because like holding cash money in your hand is the best thing in the world, but because that cash money in your hand gives you the ability to work less. It gives you the ability to control your schedule more. It gives you freedom. It gives you creativity in some ways. It gives you the space. It gives you the space you need to be a full human. That's all people want is to be a full human. That's all we want. Be fully human, everybody, not just the people at the top. And so how do we run our businesses so that everybody, every single person, gets to feel fully human? How do we run our businesses so the people are people and not commodities? How do we give everyone agency and control and space so that we can find out how they can truly shine? For themselves, for themselves. And maybe it's just rest. Maybe it's just rest. They don't owe us. Nobody owes us. But we owe ourselves. We owe ourselves this. How do we create businesses and a world where this is everybody's norm? That's the question. This has been Power Pivot, the podcast. I'm your host, Leela Sinha. Thank you for listening. I offer gratitude for the earth and sky and the support and care of many who cross my path. Our post-production assistance is provided by William Jameson, and you can find him at jamesonav.net. You can find more of me and my work, including leadership consulting and keynotes, at intensiveinstitute.com.